0: All right, should we actually do this podcast? If you
1: incest? Hello, and welcome to Where the People Aren't, a Disney podcast for misanthropes. I'm Jessie.
0: And I'm Allie. We are two 30-something women who grew up on Disney and love to analyze things until we don't enjoy them anymore.
1: Every episode, we select a different Walt Disney production to watch and investigate.
0: We'll explore the origins of the story, the controversies surrounding the film, and give you more information about the production than you probably care to know, and exchange witty banter.
1: Thank you for listening. And remember that this is a hobby. So if you find us boring and not entertaining, you'll have to complain to someone who cares because we don't.
0: Subscribe now to get all of our babbling delivered directly to whatever app you use to listen to podcasts. Picture it. Picturing. It's 2008. Do you remember?
1: God, I was like 22.
0: The biggest hit of the year was. Low by like Flo Rida
1: featuring
0: <laughs> T Pain. I've never heard of it, but that sounds very 2008. Yeah, it does.
1: Come on. Shout of Apple Bottom Jeans. Boots with the fur. fur. The whole club is looking at.
0: America goes into the recession. It was the worst one since the Great Depression, and it was as much fun as it sounds.
1: Yeah, well, we're all experiencing it again now, so.
0: Yeah, this might be a pretty close runner-up. Barack Obama is elected president of the United Ooh, States. He, God, wasn't, I remember. he wasn't perfect, but he was pretty good. First, I thought uh, he was
1: certainly better than what we got now. Well,
0: he could speak.
1: I mean, he understood the meaning of words.
0: His sentences had a beginning, a middle, and an
1: end. They applied to what he was actually talking about.
0: There were no scandals connected to him personally. He had a, a very That's true, beautiful, very intelligent, educated uh, wife, and pretty two... sure she would have
1: taken him down if he had done anything on her oh, own. Oh, one hundred percent!
0: Two lovely daughters who are, of course, going to some Ivy League school now. Of course, they are
1: good for them. I hope they Where... grow up and rule the world. Where is Baron Trump? Did they keep him in some kind of cellar? Oh, I don't think I've seen anything about him since like the election, he or was, since the like or coronation. Not was, the coronation. That's coronation. not the wrong word.
0: He thought he thought it was a fucking coronation. <laughs> he
1: thought it was a coronation since the inauguration. The inauguration. That's what we're looking for. He was
0: mentioned as being part of the bunker. He helped inspect the bunker.
1: He he's like twelve
0: yeah but he's a bunker expert
1: i feel bad for that kid i feel legitimately bad for that kid
0: anyway spotify is launched in sweden it is much better than amazon music as everyone knows
1: everyone knows including Allie. finally now i know i had no idea spotify came from sweden or that it launched in 2008 i thought this happened like three years ago i'm sure it started off very small I mean, I suppose it would have had to to become what it is today. I
0: remember hearing about Spotify because Taylor Swift was refusing to have her music released on it, and that was quite a yeah. while ago.
1: That, but that wasn't that long ago. It was like five years ago, maybe. A long time ago. Five years ago it was only 2015. SpaceX Falcon One is
0: successfully launched into <gasps> God, was orbit. That really long ago? It was solidifying Elon Musk's unreasonable sense of superiority.
1: To be fair, we did just launch Falcon 9 just a couple the- a few weeks ago. What happened to the other ones? I don't know they got launched. So they just did Falcon 9. Sure, here's the thing
0: though. I don't care.
1: I care so much. I'm going to talk about space right now, okay? Why? So, they, because it's awesome. So they just launched Falcon 9, which has a whole system and the capsule that the space the astronauts are actually in is called the Dragon and it has eight separate rockets on it so like if they have to if there's something that goes wrong with the the rocket or something and they have to like evacuate from this launch as soon as somebody calls it or the automated system calls it and do it like within a second the capsule launches off and saves the astronauts so you'll never have anything like challenger again where people got blown up because the rocket went bad mhm so that's super cool also the falcon rockets land back on earth They reuse them. Have you ever seen this? It's so cool. No, it's so cool. It goes up into fucking space, Alley, And then it comes back down and it lands in a very specific spot where they have planned it. That is so cool.
0: I actually mentioned Elon Musk later in this
1: episode. We do, Um, but I'm going to tell you right now, he's a fucking dickbag. But man, I'm so glad that we're back to space launches from the U.S. This, okay, so the, this Why launch that we they fix did
0: the planet we're on instead of trying to fuck up other places because
1: Trump is our president.
0: No, that's not an excuse. That we've been wrecking the planet for decades.
1: Sure, but he's certainly making it worse in the last four years. Anyway, so this space launch that happened a few weeks ago was the first manned space flight from Kennedy Space Station in nine years, and it was cool as fuck. I love space. I know that you don't love space, but I fucking love space, and I watch all of the space launches.
0: I'm glad that you have something
1: that makes you excited. I love space. Anyway, I know that Elon Musk is a dickbag, but the Falcon X rockets are legit. They land back where they want them to.
0: I think that Elon Musk actually, this is just my opinion, because I I listened to an Imagine Life about him, and I I also just listened to a Behind the Bastards, a two-parter about him, yeah. The title was, I don't like Elon Musk very much. And he suffered really horrible... I'm not defending him, but he suffered really horrible abuse as a kid. His father was terrible. He got the that shit sucks. out of him in school. He had to go to the hospital for a week. That sucks. Like, that sucks hard. I would not be surprised if he suffered at least some kind of maybe like brain damage or something. That How many kids him does he so,
1: have? Oh, like 75. Are any? Is anybody watching these children? Because I'd be really concerned. He
0: had... I think Seven with his first wife, and they lost their first one, I believe, to SIDS. And he just had Aeon Flux, or whatever the new one's name is. Aeon Flux? Yeah, this is the thing. You can't say you're an environmentalist and have a literal entire baseball team of children. The number one thing you can do for the environment as an individual is not have kids. So... Don't yeah. fucking come at me and say that you care so much about the plan and then fucking pump out a bunch of kids. Right. Put a condom on, dude. Wrap it up. Make Wrap fucking, it up. Make a fucking Tesla condom that has a handle that pops out for easy removal. I don't care. Just do something. <laughs> Maybe when you come, it launches into space. I don't care. Just make something. Okay. <laughs> Getting back anyway, to my, this is going to be a very long episode. I can tell. It's okay. I'll cut a lot of this out. Fidel Castro retires. Huh. Good luck, Cuba. Good luck, Again, Cuba. I did accidentally Google 1998, so some of these might be 10 years older than they're supposed to be. But I don't really care. Did you I you not think fix this it? Right. No, I think this is right. We lose Heath Ledger. Oh. Taken too soon by addiction.
1: Yeah. One of my God, favorites. he was fun. Could you imagine the movies he could be doing? No. Oh, Did you ever watch uh, The Imaginarium of Dr. Parnassus? I never did. It's bananas. You should Is watch it? it someday. Yeah. yeah it Mountain, was good.
0: one of my favorite romances of all time.
1: A Knight's Tale. Oh, God. So good. So good. So good. We also lose the
0: legend Eartha Kit. Oh. Her, and she's known in our circles as what, Jess? Yizma. <laughs> Yizma. Yisma. <laughs> Yizma the Emperor's Who Grew. <laughs> someday I'll say it right. <laughs> Allie and Jesse meet at Irish Fest in St. Paul for the first time. Oh,
1: yep. babies.
0: Little babies. Little
1: babies. And
0: on June 27th, 2008, Wally is released in theaters. So, fun fact about this Jesse and I know each other because we dated the same guy at different times. Sure in our fucking lives. Did. And Wally was mine, the guy's first date. Was it? What? Yeah, we met at the borders that that you worked at, and then oh, we went fine. to the AMC. Yeah.
1: I dated him in high school for like three years, and a little bit after that, but it got real tumultuous at that yeah. point.
0: Yep, and then I dated him from
1: twenty-one to twenty-five. Yeah, Wally, which is important to note, does not have a dash. It actually has what is called an interpunct, which is the little dot between mm-hmm. the L's and the E. I just felt like that was important to note because I like weird grammatical.
0: Yeah, to make everyone feel bad for how they spell things. That's fine.
1: I sure do. I'm that grammar asshole. Always have been. I blame my fourth grade English teacher, Mrs. Oliver.
0: Thank you, Mrs. Oliver, for making she a monster. real
1: bitch. Uh, love I'm really sorry if any of her kids that I'm friends with on Facebook follow this podcast. Oh, well, whatever. But I'm pretty sure they know that her mom was not a fun yeah, your teacher. mom was a bitch, apparently. She was rough. WALL-E was directed by Andrew Stanton, and the story was written by Andrew Stanton and Pete Doctor. The music was by Thomas Newman. WALL-E is the last robot left on Earth. He spends his days tidying up the planet, one piece of garbage at a time. But during 700 years, WALL-E has developed a personality, and he's more than a little lonely. Then he spots Eve, a sleek, shapely-rope probe sent back to Earth on a scanning mission. Smitten, Wally embarks on his greatest adventure yet when he follows Eve across the galaxy. I mean, that's a pretty basic synopsis. Yeah. Released June 27, 2008, it had a budget of $180 million, which still is a mind-boggling amount of money to me. Mm-hmm. The box office was $533.3 million. It's a pretty good return. Pretty solid return. It has an 8.4 out of 10 on IMDb, a 95% on Rotten Tomatoes, and Roger Ebert gave it a three and a, half out of, uh, three and a half stars.
0: Okay. Out of five? So,
1: I don't know what his rating system is. Out of 10. That'd be bad. Three and a half out of something, but it was three and a half stars, and his review was pretty positive overall. Um, he did say that... Oh, what was the movie? Hold on. I'm going to find it. After Kung Fu Panda, I thought I had just about exhausted my emergency supply of childlike credulity. But here's a film (laughs) that you can enjoy, even if you're a grown-up. So, it was so good that even after having to watch Kung Fu Panda, Roger Ebert still liked it.
0: He didn't like Kung Fu Panda? That's a great movie.
1: I think he might- I don't know, what did he rate Kung Fu Panda? Let me find out. He gave it three stars. Okay, well, it's not bad his the first line is kung fu panda is a story that almost tells itself in the title so that's kind of what he tells you about that but even after stretching his credulity to watch kung fu panda he still liked wall-e so that's good wall-e was nominated for a ton of awards and was overwhelmingly chosen as the best animated film of the year winning an oscar a golden golden globe a bafta the saturn award and afca award an acca award and movie of the year from the afi among many others it won awards for its screenplay and the original songs as well according to imdb it won a staggering 92 awards and was nominated wow. for 93 more
0: jesus that's All a right. lot
1: that is it was the first pixar movie to be nominated for six oscars and I think I read that the only other animated film to be nominated for that many Oscars was Beauty and the Beast, okay, so it did real good. People liked it a lot,
0: <laughs> real good,
1: real good. Wally with the dot, not a dash
0: was, was an concocted- inter-, inter-, <laughs> in- inter
1: what is it called uh I already lost the note an interpunct wall interpunct e was concocted by
0: writers john lasseter, Pete doctor, Joe Ramft and andrew stanton who directed it the idea was conceived over a lunch in 1994 just as toy story was almost finished with production and the writers began hunting for new film ideas um fun fact other movies that were brainstormed during this particular lunch monsters inc a bug's life and finding nemo they came up with all those ideas in this one lunch what were they eating i don't know these are the details I want.
1: What kind of research
0: are you doing, Allie? Sorry, uh, Stanton made a proposal. He said, "What if mankind had to leave Earth, and someone forgot to turn off the last robot?"
1: I think that pretty succinctly sums up what it's they a, do. Yeah, it's a pretty, uh, it's a pretty solid
0: concept. The project was initially called Trash Planet, legit. But in 1995, production was halted, and Pete Doctor, who had been working with Stanton on the film, took time off to direct Monsters Inc., which came out in like two thousand one. That shit takes a long time to do, dude. I guess, especially back then, I
1: guess. Oh, um, but even now, that the CGI stuff just takes time. Takes forever.
0: Stanton had found Toy Story to be challenging and he was attracted to the simplicity of the story of a lone figure on a deserted planet. Like he thought that trying to make the characters of Toy Story relatable was really difficult for him. So he like wanted to, I guess phone it in as much as you can
1: i guess during
0: a epic animated film part of why he made wally a trash compactor was that he simply liked the imagery of the cubes that the trash were compressed into
1: to be fair it's a pretty legit like it's pretty sad iconography sort of thing like it yeah allows so many things to happen through that movie so yes uh, another
0: reason was that he thought the hero being in a menial job, like being a garbage collector, would make him more sympathetic. Garbage collectors are the heroes we don't deserve, Statin, check yourself. Because it's kind of a shitty thing to say.
1: It is kind of a shitty thing to say. But
0: he's a big Hollywood director, so he
1: doesn't know. Probably doesn't even take out his own trash. Has a little robot do it for him. I would love that. Well, we have Abby. Yeah, but she's not very good at it. She's only here half the time, so... <laughs> Wally being alone in a bleak world
0: reminded Stanton of a weed growing among pavement, hence the inspiration for the plant.
1: Hmm. All right.
0: In late 2003, Stanton and a few unnamed others, they did not literally just said like, and others, <laughs> compiled a 20-minute reel of scenes and presented it to John Lasseter and Steve Jobs, who gave it the green light. I was really surprised that Steve Jobs was actually that involved.
1: He was very involved with Pixar when it first I started. I never thought
0: about him being like somebody who actually like watch a treatment. oh yeah,
1: no, he was super into Easy. involved with Pixar when it first started before it really became a Disney thing. He was right. very involved
0: that's that's nuts to me, but they gave it the green light. He apparently the only objection that Steve Jobs had was an, originally it was spelled Wally with one l, and yeah. I guess he was like, oh, it looks like whale, so they didn't they changed I it I
1: mean. I don't know what it would have stood for because Wally stands for. I have this written down somewhere. Hold on. Wally stands for Waste Allocation Load Lifter Earth Class. Wouldn't it be Wallach? Um, I think they just call it Earth, so it's probably mm-hmm. just Waste Allocation Load Lifter Earth. Right. Because the giant ones that are on the Axiom are Wallas. So Not they're like they're waste. Allocation load lifters axiom. Oh, Stanton is Christian, who isn't these days, (laughs)
0: and inserted some Jesus themes into the film, as J as you do, (laughs) as J C fans are wont to do. I said, Eve is named after Job. (laughs) Eve is named after Eve because Wally was lonely until he met her, just like Adam.
1: Okay, sure.
0: Except then Wally goes on
1: to call her Eva through most of the movie. so honestly, this
0: whole last part of this origin, I'm kind of rolling my eyes, but that's just because I'm a heathen. Eve provides the inspiration humanity needs to steer away from the false god of by and large. This all seems tenuous, but I'm not a theologian anymore, so I can't really comment on it. A Pixar employee noted that Eve reminded them of a dove carrying an olive branch. Wally has been compared to Prometheus, the titan who brought fire to humans, Sisyphus, the king of Ephyra, who is doomed to forever push a boulder up a mountain as punishment for, I'm not really sure, like his cockiness or he was just... Uh, I don't know.
1: They always they found a reason in Greek mythology. I deep, mean, that's kind of a... That's, that's sort of legit. Like, he's pushing these blocks of compacted trash up towers sure, yeah, every I mean, day for 700 years.
0: That's true. Uh, and Butades, the first Greek clay modeler, that one I don't know about.
1: I don't know that I've ever heard of that one.
0: I said, again, all of these seem like stretches to me, but I'm just a co-host of a podcast in my living room, so I don't know.
1: But Right. I do think that there are a lot of people who try to tack things on to children's movies after the fact. Yeah, absolutely. I think these things wouldn't be mythology stereotypes if we weren't able to kind of apply them to almost anything that you felt like you could. Right. So what did you think of this movie, Allie?
0: I love this movie. Yeah. I love it. I think it's great. I think it's really charming. I think it's really original. I have a lot of fond memories connected to it. And I think that it has a really good message behind it.
1: I remember really loving it when it came out. And I think it really held up watching it this time. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think I've watched it in years, but Connor and I watched it the other night. And I, it's it's still a really good, fun movie. It's still, it's still like, the graphics still hold up. The, everything still looks good. Yeah, yeah and it's just a good movie.
0: I had actually watched it a couple months ago to the point where Disney Plus still had it like paused on the credits because I watched it so. <laughs> so I mean that's part of why I was kind of dragging my feet when I wanted to, to watch it because I was like, oh my god, I literally just saw this movie but this was your idea, bro. I know. Hu on my idea,
1: so most Pixar films, when they're storyboarded, have seventy five thousand storyboards, which still sounds like a fucking lot Astronomical, of storyboards. call, yeah, but Wally required a hundred and twenty five thousand storyboards just to get the history of where the world became what the world became out
0: That is if I'm doing my math right seventy five percent more.
1: I have no idea if your math is right, but it's definitely fifty thousand more
0: <laughs> It's a lot.
1: That is a lot. lot.
0: God, are those all like hands hand drawn?
1: Usually, those are sketched out. They're very sketchy and they're not like clean or anything. But and they're just hundred twenty
0: five thousand. That's a lot.
1: Seventy five thousand seems like a lot to me, but I guess like especially when you're doing computer animation, you really need to plot that stuff out
0: really well. Sure,
1: you can't leave it to animators to be like, oh, it'll just do its thing. I guess we'll
0: clean it up in post
1: right uh one of the notes i found that was really funny was that the entire team would watch charlie chaplin and buster keaton movies every day like on their lunch break to get themselves in that silent movie mindset since this movie has so much of the scenes that are just not dialogue heavy like there's not a whole lot of dialogue in this movie it's
0: i think that's one of the defining characteristics of it i love that they did that because have you ever seen the the great i think it's called the great dictator
1: i don't think i have
0: it's a charlie chaplin movie and it's a parody it's he's he's making fun of hitler it's satire about hitler and as you do fucking it's brilliant there's a scene where so he plays the dictator and he is in his office and his chair like pumps up so he's way taller than everybody and there's just sitting down it's so funny and it's so it aged unfortunately so well yeah, I feel like that kind of physical, like those physical comedy gags, are things that never really get old. Like so right, like, slipping on a banana is always going to be funny. It's
1: always going to be funny. <laughs> well, because I think the numbers that I read for this movie is that you go 22 minutes before there's more than one character on the screen.
0: I think it's like 47 minutes for, and then dialogue. it's like 39
1: yeah. minutes before you hit dialogue. Mm-hmm. And that's wild yeah. that we have this movie where there's so much of this opening scene is just this one tiny little robot rolling around doing his thing Mm -hmm. and it's great but yeah so i mean i think you can really see a lot of the visual gags that don't rely on dialogue yeah that they got from that whole silent movie sort of thing
0: when he finds the bra
1: when he finds the bra even like when you're on the axiom there's a ton of like silent Mm -hmm. dialogueless gags that they pull like mo the little cleaner robot who's Oh, I get without saying anything, is entirely hilarious. Love him so much.
0: Uh, so Andrew Stanton was the director and the writer, the guy who was really at the helm. He initially wanted an alien race called Gels to be involved. They were jello-like blobs. They were totally translucent. They didn't have any any limbs or anything. They were kind of like the guy at the end of I have no mouth, but I'm a scream. Just like a sentient. Do you know what I'm talking about? No. Okay, well, it's a horrible amazing short horror story
1: i hate by, horror I think, stuff so. harlan
0: ellison but like it basically it's just a guy who's turned to like a jello blob and he does he has like he's just like a pair of eyes and anyway um, they were supposed to be the antagonists of the film they were like a, a hostile alien race and then he had a conversation with Dr. James Hicks, a physiologist professor at UC Irvine and Stanton learned from him kind of the concepts of like muscle atrophy and what the effects of weightlessness in a prolonged period of time would be which is why the humans have that like really increased body fat bone density shrunk, muscle mass has shrunk so he kind of turned them into the gels but removed a lot of the like hostile
1: Facility, yeah, the they're not the yeah.
0: So the villain, I said, so the villain of the movie is man's short sightedness and those stupid floating chairs. I'm also assuming that the James Hicks he spoke to is the James Hicks that you see Irvine because I googled James Hicks, physiologist and he was the top hit. And like, how many of those can there be, right? So
1: good, good enough for me.
0: Good enough for me too.
1: One of the things I found is that the when they're like panning across the former captains of the Axiom, mm-hmm. those are all caricatures of writers from Pixar.
0: That's funny. See, That's they do really... that a lot. They pull in a lot of shit.
1: Right. Like it's that. really funny. It's also possibly a goof on their timeline, but the lifespan of the humans appears to have extended, as the average term of service for these captains was 135 years. I mean, maybe. So apparently, like <laughs> humans, just lived longer after that. This movie,
0: I believe, it's a one one three is a is a number letter. It was a right. classroom number, wasn't it? It was the classroom number. So the order that Otto follows to basically override the captain is a one one three. It's a number that appears in every Pixar movie because it yep. was the classroom number at. I don't remember what it was.
1: Where was it? I'll look it up quick. Hold on, we'll find it. It was, it was it uh,
0: was yeah like the Southern California Designing Arts school Like Tim Burton went there.
1: The California Institute of Arts. Yes, where most of the animators went to school. I think this is the most like obvious use of A113 cuz it's in so many like it's in every Pixar movie. Of them, yeah.
0: And it's I think this wrong. is the most
1: like really obvious call out of it
0: probably. Because I don't think it's. They say it out loud, which they usually. Well, they say it out
1: loud, and it's on the screen like over and over and over again, and it's like a pivotal plot point. Yeah. As opposed to just like a throwaway joke on something. Yes. Apparently, this film was denied a theatrical release in China.
0: A lot of things are.
1: A lot of things are. This is true, but like maybe the concept of environmentalism was just too much for them.
0: We stand with Hong Kong.
1: We stand. So let's go into some cast and crew. Yeah. So Ben Burt is the voice of Wally. He's also the voice of like most of the robots. And he was also the sound director for this film. Okay. So I think this is one of those. I think this is one of the really interesting things is that we didn't get like big name cast people for this. But how like what's the point when you have two characters who barely say anything?
0: Right. He's a
1: sound designer by trade, not an actor. He had just finished Star Wars Revenge of the Sith. More power to him. And Bless. he had told his wife that he would never do a robot movie again. But then he was swayed by Wally, which he found fresh and exciting.
0: So he lied.
1: So he's a big fucking liar. No, I think he Because, like, I think when you come off of something like Star Wars, where those roles of the robots are, especially when you're coming off of fucking Revenge of the Sith, which by that point was the sixth Star Wars movie that was being made. Yeah. And those characters are so defined, and you don't have a lot of leeway or creative freedom to do anything. Yeah, it must suck to do that.
0: The guy who voiced what was his name, Luigi, Alfredo, I don't in know in Ratatouille. Oh yeah, he was a, like a, he was like a sound guy. He wasn't an actor.
1: Yeah, I think sometimes it's nice to not have like well, so like, tied to this as well is Alyssa Knight, who voiced Eve, was originally just a stand-in voice, so the animators could do things. She was just an employee of Pixar.
0: See, this is like the dream. You're an intern at this huge company, and suddenly they turn to you and they're
1: like, "Hey, kid, it's your you time. Star, time to shine." <laughs> um, so she has. I think she was basically like an executive production assistant for many, many movies. Like I looked at her IMDb, and this one she was just filling in so that the animators had something to work against. Okay. As they did stuff, well, because I think Ben Burt was designing sound for stuff for like well before animation was completely done. Yeah. And. Andrew Stanton ended up liking what she did so much and thinking that it worked so well that he just kept it as opposed to finding a big name actress. And frankly, I think it's a right call. Cause like, what would you be like? Oh, Angelina Jolie got cast as Eve. And then you watch this movie and she says, Wally. Like, well,
0: and it, they have three major actors in, in roles anyway. It's so like, they, you know, they had Fred Willard right. and Sigourney Weaver and Jeff Garland. So I had no I-
1: idea it was Sigourney Weaver.
0: Oh no shit! really!
1: No, I knew until I looked at these notes, I did not realize it, but yeah, so I think it was really fascinating that she just was like the stand in voice, and they just kept her love it uh Fred Willard, God, we could talk about Fred willard r i p uh apparently his character was called shelby forthright yeah global c e o
0: believe that that's a name you can
1: trust. It's a name you can trust it's right still there. a better president than the Cheeto, mhm. Uh, he's the first and so far only live action character with a speaking role in any Pixar film.
0: Oh, interesting.
1: So that, and that's something that I found really interesting is the use of the live action people at the beginning. So you have his character who is clearly like a live action being filmed. Yeah. And then all of their ads for the axiom are yeah, live that's action true. people. Yeah. And I guess I don't remember that from the first time I watched it. And I don't know that it really feels out of place. Like, it feels fine to me. Like, I don't question it. Yeah. I don't know why.
0: Well, I think part of that might be that when you go onto the axiom 700 years later, the people have been so, like, physically altered over these several generations. Yeah, maybe it's because they're so
1: drastically different. Yeah. Like, if they were a bunch of, like, normal-looking skinny people, it would be weird. Yeah, yeah. But because there's, there's such a diametrically opposite visual that it doesn't seem weird that could be it stanton cast fred willard because he is the most friendly and insincere car salesman i could think of (laughs) i fucking love
0: fred willard he's so great so great
1: he's so great he He makes me want to watch all those
0: He, he was in some show where he played someone's dad I don't remember what it was, but oh, it was recently, know. and he looked like he was about seven hundred years old. And I know he was—he well, was kind of quite always old looked like he... that. Yeah, but he looked very like he—he—he he, he passed away in his—he must have been in his eighties. He was
1: eighty-six when he passed away. He died See, May fifteenth. As pal, it is pretty old.
0: I'm gonna look up real. Quick.
1: I'm looking at his IMDb right now.
0: Oh, he's from Ugh. Shaker Heights.
1: Oh, he was in Space Force? Shut up. Have you watched that yet? That's it.
0: That's what it was. He played uh, Steve Carell's dad in Space Force. Oh my god,
1: I cannot wait to watch that. It looks so funny.
0: I thought it was pretty good. Um, I was kind of half watching it. Will really liked it a
1: lot. Okay, I, it's, it I intend funny. to watch it. He's also in Modern Family.
0: I never saw Modern Family, but I was thinking the last thing I saw him in was Space Force, and he looks he looks like a man in his 90s. Well, I mean, that
1: like... just came out, so yeah. Yes. He he was, indeed, god, a man Steve, in his 80s. Steve days.
0: Carell is so good
1: is it i i we saw a trailer for it it was like oh my god we need to watch this show and
0: i don't like space you don't like space as evident by my
1: last rant about falcon x we're watching through picard right now for star trek so
0: oh yeah how's that
1: good it's much more it feels much more like a movie or a mini series not that you care you're not gonna watch it anyway but i like
0: patrick stewart
1: he's pretty great he's still pretty great Sigourney Weaver, as we mentioned, was in this. She was the voice of the Axiom computer, which is apparently a funny thing because now um, Stanton said that now she's Mother, which was the name of the ship's computer in Alien, Oh, which I have never seen. Really? Yeah. Oh. I don't know how I've never seen it, but it just... It, n- is, pr-
0: it. You know, it is pretty good. As someone who doesn't like space, I know it's the Alien's a pretty good one, but I haven't seen like the... Four million sequels. The four like million sequels. Maybe Will made me watch Alien vs Predator at one point in our I just, dark. Days. I don't.
1: I feel like any movie that has verses in the title, I just don't want to watch.
0: Are you shitting all over Freddy vs Jason?
1: One hundred horror,
0: horror movie boys face off. Yeah, I'm good. Yeah, me too.
1: Mac and Talk, the text to speech program for Max, is listed in the cast and crew on Wikipedia, and I found that really funny. Is that auto? No, it's um. I think a lot of the stuff that like Wally's automated systems that he has, and like his charging stuff, is like the sound when his battery is charged is from the Max.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. The Buddha sound.
1: Yeah, it's sort of that stuff. Oh no, it was absolutely the voice of Auto. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it was Auto, which is funny. But it's it's listed in the cast, and I just found that really funny to me. Isn't it? IMDb is the cast. I'm gonna check right now. Fred Willard looks like. Sitcom TV dad stereotypes. Think so? Yeah. He looks like what you're, what a dad looks like on sitcom television. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. McIntosh is also listed on IMDb as the cast, which is just really funny. <laughs> I don't know why I find it so funny, but I do.
0: When this movie first came out, it was pretty bleak.
1: Yeah, I had not remembered how bleak it was. At the it's beginning.
0: very bleak. It's and maybe it's
1: just in the light of where we are now in the world i feel like we're in a much shittier place than we were in 2008
0: yeah we definitely
1: are but so that i also
0: feel like i don't know is this it's much more depressing now because it isn't quite as theoretical so yeah i guess you're
1: yeah right. we're moving we're moving closer to this being an actual possibility
0: we are and there's that weird thing with by and large being it's like clearly it's a company it's like a it's supposed to be like a walmart s company yeah and the ceo is even referred to as mr president when they're being evacuated It's mr president we have to go right and you know in 2008 we didn't know we didn't know what was down the pipe in eight years we had no idea well, that it. Was yeah moving. like
1: by and large has become like this mega ultra monopoly sort of thing like they own yeah. fucking everything
0: everything, they everything yeah it's like Walmart on steroids.
1: It's well like Walmart on ultra-steroids. I don't even know how to explain it. It's
0: like, like Walmart on Amazon.
1: That's a terrible, terrible visual that I would like to not move is. forward with. So we talked about what Wally stands for, the Waste Allocation Load Lifter Earth class. Mm-hmm. EVE stands for Extraterrestrial Vegetation Evaluator.
0: It also stands for I Come From Adam's Rib.
1: Uh, to make you less a... lonely. <sighs> Let's not get into Christianity right now. I don't have time for that. Are you afraid? No, I'm just afraid that I'll go on a fucking (laughs) rant for the next two hours. I was raised Catholic. Believe me, I have sourcing. Mm. Uh, I found it really funny that the only things to survive this desolate wasteland were Wally, a cockroach, and Twinkies.
0: I almost said the same thing. As I was watching, I was like, of course they put a fucking cockroach. And I didn't even think about the Twinkie. Yeah. (laughs) That is a trope.
1: I read something, apparently, like, Twinkies won't actually last forever. Mm-mm. Their cream will, like, deteriorate after, like, ten years. Ten I, years!
0: I was packaging dry dates today at work. Yeah. And one just kind of, like, fell apart in my hand, so I was packaging it, and it was moldy. Mmm! A moldy, dry date. Well, I suppose I'm there's guessing, still
1: moisture in there.
0: I guess, I think something, like, got into the pit.
1: Oh, But yeah. I even
0: showed it to my coworker like fuck is this i don't know i've never seen that before
1: weird so is he the only wally left is that the concept yeah here? He's, the,
0: he's the last one left and he is i get into this later harvesting the dead the parts off of his fallen comrades
1: but i think that's just his like survival instinct
0: i'm not look i'm not criticizing him you gotta do what you gotta My do. My note is
1: this adorable, anxious robot.
0: He is anxious, but who can blame? He doesn't have anyone to to hang out with.
1: He doesn't have a therapist. He does nothing. Hmm. My other note is Wally is just the robotic little mermaid. Look at this stuff. <laughs> Isn't it <neat? laughs> Oh, that's true. He even has We're dingle hoppers. Shit. Does he? Yeah, he's got a whole section There's of forks spork. and spoons. Yeah, that's true. And that's a really funny know. part where he's got the spork. He's like, I don't know where to put this. Put it in the middle. I find
0: it weird that he's been there for 700 years and he's never come across a spork before.
1: Maybe they all deteriorated.
0: Yeah, sporks notoriously are faster at decomposing them. They're
1: just shitty plastic. I know. Uh, he's got a singing bass
0: he does have a singing bass um that is a very 2008 reference a
1: very 2008 billy the singing
0: bass is not a reference that the kids today are going to understand no
1: there is a bar in chicago that has an entire wall of them in a hallway that they have programmed to sing other songs
0: i want to go i'm not gonna lie give
1: connor a call he also wants to go tyler and i will be away from you while this happens. And then there's the whole Hello Dolly thing, which is adorable, but also he's holding his own hand.
0: Man, that's a real feel, isn't it? That's 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 so sad.
1: He's just there, he's holding his own hand.
0: (laughs) He just wants somebody to to love. Musicals will make you hold your own hand and cry. They will. It's a black magic.
1: It sure fucking is. Uh, I found it really funny when he wakes up the next morning and, like, he gets himself out of his little, like, cube state <laughs> and he rolls outside and it was the most he's relatable morning attitude that he I have ever. Have
0: coffee. He's just a little robot.
1: Right? Like, I was like, oh, I feel that. I feel that hard. And then he's, like, digging through stuff and he throws away the diamond and keeps the box, which is... That's
0: funny. Cause really funny understand.
1: and legit. This is one of the notes I made when he finds the plants. I just wrote, life uh, finds a way.
0: <laughs> yeah, can we talk about the plant for one second? Yeah. Why is it in a boot? How did it grow in a refrigerator where there's no light so it can't photosynthesize?
1: Legit. Maybe there was like a hole in the li- the fridge?
0: Maybe, but let's face it, probably not.
1: Yeah, why did this plant grow there? I mean, there are plants that grow in shade, but not that well.
0: What kind of plant is it?
1: What, what kind of plant is it?
0: Is it a marijuana plant? We don't know.
1: No, it doesn't have the right leaves for that. Yeah, that's right. I know that much. And then Eve, or the, so the giant, the ridiculously oversized ship comes down to drop off a single drone. Why wasn't she sent off in an escape pod?
0: Because they didn't contact Elon Musk for design.
1: Clearly. Falcon X. They should have gotten their shit together. And Wally disguises himself by putting just a rock on his head. Look, he panicked. I, he panicked I hard. That. It was great. I, I just wrote solid disguise, Wally. <laughs>
0: i love eve
1: oh love she's eve. great
0: i think that this might be getting into the weeds a little bit because we're like gendering these robots so well, they're us. already
1: gendered. They're gendered the movie gendered them pretty hard to start with
0: i feel her that moment where she hears wally and shoots a plasma beam at him i'm like girl if i could do that to every dude who tries to talk to me while i'm trying to work right I would blow their heads clean off.
1: That's right, Eve. Take no shit. Shoot first. Ask questions later.
0: That's right. And that's not like a fucking six shooter. She's, she's blowing up. Plasma cannon shit. <laughs> she is the strong female lead that Disney has always lacked. Yes. Not enough murderous women.
1: This is pre-Disney owning Star Wars, so they didn't have Leia yet.
0: When did they buy Star Wars?
1: It was fairly recent, like it in the last like five, five years. years, yeah, Wally was before that. You really can't blame Wally for falling in love with a badass future robot no
0: i I but, too
1: would fall in love with Eve,
0: but would you? <laughs> She looks like an egg. I don't think you would. But a trope that I really dislike, and I'm acknowledging that this is a children's movie about robots, but this is a very common theme in, like, Disney movies, is the protagonist falling in love with the first, like, being that they meet. So, like, Aurora in Sleeping Beauty has never met a person before and she meets Philip, and she's like, I'm into it. I'm
1: so into it.
0: I'm super into it. Uh, the Beast hasn't seen a human person in forever and he's like, I'm into it. Wally hasn't seen a girl robot, I guess. Like ever, or ever, at least like several hundred years. And I just don't know if that is, I feel like maybe he's settling. I'm not saying she's not great, but like you got, look, we just read that book.
1: We did read that book.
0: About the Hasidic if you're Jewish community and Unorthodox.
1: It was fascinating.
0: It was totally fascinating. I tore through the last half in like a day and a half. But the point is, there is probably someone else out there for you. You can't settle for the first person. Imagine if you married the first person you dated.
1: Oh shit, that was You'd be Will. married to Todd. No, it wasn't. It was Andy. Oh, it was Andy. Oh. are
0: you happy that you didn't fall for that?
1: No, I did date him twice though, so what does mm. that tell me? Apparently Stanton and Lassiter bleh, thought that while we needed to fall in love as it was a necessary progression away from loneliness, which I kinda think is bullshit.
0: You can have friends. You can, you can have, have friends, you can
1: find things that fulfill you that aren't people too, like Yeah. Loneliness is not always I'm by myself. Sometimes you have to just figure out what else works for you.
0: You can be lonely in a room full of people. Legit. I feel like there is so much emphasis put on like finding a partner and being in a romantic relationship, and like it's great and it's definitely it's definitely great to have to have a partner in life. It is. It's awesome. Right, but, but it doesn't like, have
1: to. It doesn't have to be a romantic partner for that to be a thing. No, like, it doesn't the ace people exist and we should acknowledge them like
0: right it's not the be all and end all of everything and wally seems like he was doing he was lonely but he you know he was fine he had his he collections
1: was, of things
0: he had his stuff and he had his cockroach
1: what more you know the cockroach's name was hal there were so many wow. nods. oh really there are so many nods to 2001 a space odyssey in this movie it's not even funny so much better than that movie though I'd have to watch it again. So the first time I watched Two Thousand One Space Odyssey, I was intentionally trying to stay up all night to switch over to nights because we were doing inventory for my job.
0: My oh, borders?
1: No, this was back when I was at Bed Bath and Beyond. Oh, but okay. we so every February a group of us would do inventory over like a month. Yeah. And that was all overnights. So we I would have to switch over to those overnights. Crazy. And I remember one year, I stayed up by watching 2001 Space Odyssey, and I liked it then, but maybe I was hallucinating. I should try it again someday. Yeah. But yeah, the the cockroach's name was Hal as a nod to that. There are more nods to that that I will get to.
0: I will die on this, hill. Wally is a Hallmark Channel holiday movie.
1: It even has Christmas lights.
0: It does. It has the same basic plot of one. It's Big City Government Worker Eve. Yep goes on a business trip to a small, simple town where the local garbage collector teaches her the power of love.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And they overthrow her work.
0: Yeah, fuck your job.
1: Fuck your I mean, they turn against her work and they overthrow it. And yeah, it's absolutely a Hallmark movie.
0: I saw a tweet not too long ago that was something like, I can't wait for the holiday Hallmark movie about COVID 19 where somebody (laughs) stumbles onto the wrong Zoom meeting and falls in love with the
1: person. Oh my God. Can we please watch this together when it happens? Because you know it's going to. Oh my God. You know there's going to be something. It's
0: called like COVID for Christmas or something.
1: So we kind of touched on this earlier, we talked about it. The first dialogue between Wally and Eve, which isn't really dialogue so much as some beeping at each other, begins at 22 minutes into the movie. And the first human dialogue begins at 39 minutes into the movie. That's impressive. It's wild for a movie that was so acclaimed and everyone loved for there to not really be dialogue for 40 minutes.
0: For it to be a kids movie that held children's attention for that long.
1: I think that really speaks to the visual storytelling that they did.
0: Yeah, like They do a really
1: great job of telling that story just through images and what they're doing. So then Wally brings out the plant to show Eve and she goes into like fucking lockdown mode.
0: Yeah. She's focused. She has a job.
1: She has a job. She has a directive and she is fucking going to do it. And then we get the really great montage scene of him like trying to wake her up and like keep her safe. He's standing over her with an umbrella. That part's really cute. Multiple umbrellas and like he's taking her to see sights. (laughs) Yeah. So then finally Eve gets picked up by another ridiculously large spaceship, yes. and Wally stowaways on it, and they get back to the big ship of humans called the Axiom.
0: The Axiom.
1: And I looked this up because I was like, this is a seems like a really deliberate choice of names. Mm-hmm. So an Axiom is a statement that is taken to be true and unquestionable. Oh. Which I think is a really interesting telling name for the mega yeah. ultra monopoly to choose for a spaceship. Yeah. Like, believe us, it's true. I right. swear it.
0: Seems pretty timely, huh?
1: Mm. Mm.
0: So we brought him up before, but can we talk about Mo for a second? Oh, He's so great. So Mo is the cleaner robot. He is, I think, my favorite tiny cleaner robot in all of cinema. He doesn't have... I think he says two words. He says his name and he says the word whoa. Also whoa, voiced whoa, by whoa, Ben whoa. Bird. whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Was he really?
1: Yeah. 90% of the robots were voiced by Ben Burtt.
0: One of the things that makes this movie really extraordinary is the lack of language used and how they rely so much on animated body language and animating a robot's expression, especially when it's a flat or in Eve's case, like a curved screen, it—I mean—that is, it's a remarkable feat. It's really incredible. It's—it's it's kind of mind-blowing, really. That they well, were I think they—it re- really shows how so much. much
1: research they did into the silent film stuff because it's it's, all of these techniques and these methods are very silent film stuff Mm -hmm. very exaggerated expressions and features and exaggerated motions and things so that it's really emphasized what these silent characters are doing
0: yes i love it yeah i love him i love little things though little things are great as much as i hate big things i love little things
1: (laughs) I like big things if they're exaggeratedly big things. Mm-mm. Giant paper clips, fucking love
0: them. Those are fine. They're great. I don't like things that are naturally big, like whales. I get into that later. I <laughs> must have missed this note.
1: Yeah. I wrote Little Cleaner Robot Mo is just trying to do his job. He has a job, and by God, he is going to do it.
0: It's his calling. It is it's his passion. calling.
1: He is going to clean up that mess. Barring nothing, like nothing is going to get in his way. Whoa, 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 (laughs) whoa, 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 whoa! And then we're introduced to the humans. Yes. And what humans have become, and the floating chairs, and their existence, and lunch in a cup, which is just sounds gross.
0: I would do it, though. No, I would just puree something and put oh, it in a cup. Oh,
1: gross.
0: Here's your burger and fries in a, in a milkshake.
1: Angela, my tea. brother's fiance, had, uh, like, she had her teeth te- te- taken out or something when she's And her. Dad pureed her a burger, and she said it was the grossest thing she has ever done in her life. Really? Yeah.
0: I'm sh- well, because you'd have to put some kind of liquid in it, so it would be like a watered down, like a milky
1: burger. Oh, <laughs> gross! I just oh, ugh. I do I would not try need it. a meat I shake. Would try it. I would. I'm just saying. I do not need a meat shake. I am good.
0: Well, I mean, it does explain, I think that it's a good example of, like, the the inherent laziness that has come over humanity, or, like, they can't even be bothered to chew.
1: Come over food. or forced upon?
0: Sure, one or the other. I'm sorry if this is a little, if this gets a little, again, into the weeds. How are they procreating? Because they can't walk.
1: They can walk, just not well.
0: Okay, well, they can't, they certainly can't fuck. I'm going to take that out because that's, uh, there's no way, and I'm, I'm talking from a scientific perspective. These people are 70% body fat. They got low bone density. So that shit's going to snap like a twig. Yeah. They have no muscle definition. It's a physical, like, there's no way that they can like reliably. It's just, it's just, unless the dude has like a dong that's two feet long.
1: Maybe they evolved into that. It's been seven hundred years.
0: That would be such a gross mental picture.
1: It already is. You just put that in my head. Thank you. Um, mm, I think you know, we I need to be very that. careful to distance this from fat shaming. Hmm.
0: It isn't. It isn't just that they're fat. They have no bones.
1: Yeah, I think we really need to be. <laughs> I no, I, and I say this really seriously. I think we need to be careful to distance this from fat shaming because fat people have sex all the time. Absolutely. Like we can still bone, and it's still fun. Totally. You but, have you have lots of muscle
0: and. But bones, we have though, bones.
1: That's the, like, the image that they show us shows these people with like, very tiny They're like, like
0: pudding pops. Yeah. They're, they're like, they're... <laughs>
1: yeah. It, I don't know. It's weird. I, I just wrote maybe the chairs are helped to move that along. Maybe they're designed to help procreation. Sex robot. Sex robot. <laughs>
0: the babies are cute, though. Or is it me or are there no children? There's adults and there's babies. Did you see any kids running yeah, around? Yeah.
1: You don't really see like an in between mm-hmm. age. That's interesting. Again, all Wally wants to do is hold her hand. Yeah. To him, that is the epitome of romance.
0: I do like that he tried without her consent and he like got his hand caught, though. Yeah. That was like, funny.
1: Don't do things, consensual agreements, 100%. She's in a coma. So how are the captains of the Axiom chosen?
0: Great question. Are there colleges on the Axiom?
1: What kind of schooling is on the action? Because we see the one scene where the babies in the chairs are being yeah. told that, by and large, is their best friend, which is fucked up. Right. But we, like you said, we don't see other children. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we,
0: do they yeet the kids into space when they get to be a certain age. But then how do, do like we have the population? Well, maybe they have to keep it at, like, a certain number.
1: Well, the other thing is, dark. like... How is population control happening? Because you only have a finite amount of resources. Even if you're recycling everything, even if you're going fucking soil and green on these people, <laughs> there is only a finite amount of resources. You can't have an infinite amount of population. Right. And this leads back it would to have the to be how are like, they procreating?
0: Like, um, Snow Piercer. It was oh, a yeah. motion machine.
1: Oh, <sighs> yeah. what a there's terrible a, movie! There's a I think it's TBS or TNT did a TV series of it recently with um, David Diggs in the lead role. We I haven't know. watched it yet. We start. We recorded it to watch. Is it
0: based on a manga? manga?
1: It's based on a graphic novel. Okay. Um, from like it the seventies. The- it's a French graphic novel from the seventies.
0: The guy who did Snowpiercer was the dude who did Parasite.
1: Yes. Uh, Snowpiercer the original movie is f- fucked up. Did did you ever see it, a
0: baby? Oh yeah.
1: Uh, I want to watch we it again. Watched it at the
0: Colfax house, and, and we were like, uh, Cap, Cap, why did you eat a baby? Cap, why? Did this you isn't eat the baby? America
1: you fought for. That movie <laughs> fucked was fucked up, and I keep <laughs> it was very fucked up. I keep That's meaning to go back movie. and watch that one, but I haven't yet.
0: That's a great movie to like get stoned and watch. I, think. I should. Um, we should do that. We want to
1: watch. I want to watch the TV series though and see because it looked good. Like I this...
0: love Divi Diggs. Oh my god, oh,
1: he's playing the Cap role.
0: He's so handsome. It looks great and I wanna watch it. I think we have it recorded, so I should watch that. So speaking of by and large, speaking of is, on that note, it's like the one of the overwhelming presence presences. It is
1: the overwhelming presence.
0: Right. We've referred to it in this just in this episode as like if Amazon met Walmart. It's it's, it's like the, the Amazon
1: Walmart love child. God,
0: what a horrible idea. Who's running it? Because it's clearly still a functional company. But Is
1: it? Or is it subroutines running on the Axiom controlled by the computer system? Maybe.
0: But Is it that- just
1: perpetuating this existence that they started out when they flew out and was always supposed to be a five-year trip?
0: But it was 700 years. Like, I feel
1: like human beings are awful, but would we be that complacent? I think that they were trained into that complacency. They're put in these chairs, they're given their meals. There's like the Blade Runner billboards fucking everywhere saying by and large. But they
0: weren't initially put into the chairs. It was mentioned in the beginning that that was for like the elderly. But at some point, everyone evolved into needing.
1: So, so this is Two one of my points around. that I have under Disney physics. The gravity on the Axiom must be lower than the gravity of Earth. Right. Which would explain why they need the chairs, why they need the stuff to, like, because the bone density goes down, because of this sort of stuff. So it might have started out as the elderly needing these chairs, but clearly it evolved into these people could not survive without the chairs. Or because Otto got the A113 protocol, Mm -hmm. he kind of controlled it into that.
0: They're also... I'm just trying to think about like what would turn human beings into like just that physical aspect. They're not eating any fresh anything.
1: No, lunch in a cup is not fresh food. Where are they getting their food from? Soiling.
0: Green. This has to be a soiling green.
1: It has to be. It's just called recycling, bitch. I mean, maybe there's aspects of the ship that we're not seeing, and there's like a garden somewhere that we're not seeing that's fresh. But shit, they but- didn't
0: know what the plant was. Like the captain had never seen a plant before,
1: right? So but I, I think-, think not. So much of the ship is also automated and run by robots. Yeah. That True. The He's captain not very curious. It's clearly just like a figurehead. He's not actually yeah. a captain by this point. Like that's one of the things that I saw too. There's there's a lot of fan theories out there about Wally. But like the portraits that we pan past of the captains, yeah, auto gets bigger. Yeah, that's true.
0: Yeah, I've seen picture. that picture.
1: So I think it just became a matter of after those five years when clearly they weren't going back to Earth, they started training the humanity into complacency.
0: Let's just give up. Who cares? <sighs> right? Uh, there is a scene towards the end where Eve is being assessed for malfunctioning yes. because she, the, the plant got stolen from her and she was recorded as having it. So she gets sent to the, I don't know, the diagnostics and repair doc The robot you- jail. You see all of these other robots who are being held because they need repairs. And it is, ro- it's robot jail.
1: And it's I robot wrote, jail for robots who are not conforming.
0: I wrote robot jail is a recreational exercise of the oppressor. For sure. And I don't, I don't disagree with what I said yesterday when I wrote this note because dude, the massager who goes nuts and ends up beating up all of the like fucking robot cops. Yeah. He's the hero. He's the hero. He's the hero. Fuck the cops. A crab. All our cab. All robot cops are bastards. Yes. Our cab.
1: cab. I don't know. I think Wally as the robot liberator is kind of great. <laughs> he led the revolution. <laughs> he led the robot revolution. Mm-hmm. They just went off and did their thing. There's a reason they kept him locked up because they were scared. They were scared. I don't have a lot of notes, I guess, for the rest of the story. Like, you know, shit happens and they all solve things. And then like Eve, so they're back on Earth and Eve is fixing up Wally so she can like heal him. And instead of just carrying him outside of his home, she blasts a fucking hole in the ceiling.
0: It's for the aesthetic.
1: Okay, but, like, that's his home. It would take you a <laughs> second to carry him outside.
0: Look, if Will was
1: dying, I would blast a hole in the ceiling, too. All right. So the humans come back and they waddle out of their ship like tiny toddler babies? Considering their
0: bones don't seem to have very much connective tissue to each other, it's pretty impressive that it's they're walking. It's pretty impressive that they're able well to walk as as they at all. Are. yeah.
1: How do their arms not have better Cuz Like, they use their arms yeah, still.
0: Yeah, I don't know. It seems like their whole, the issue is that their entire lower body is totally atrophied, which makes complete sense. But right. They should have had some, it doesn't take a lot to have some muscle definition. Right, or, like, yeah.
1: Like, you're still moving that, that cup of lunch to your mouth. You're,
0: yeah, you are. And, like, there is definitely some some truth behind, like, heavier people actually tend to have better muscle definition because they're moving around more weight yeah like my legs are legit (laughs) right there you go um but i guess if you're just in a chair yeah at least your upper body would have like had you know something something i don't know also what kind of what kind of horrible lives these people living like they weren't doing anything your life has no meaning i don't think we have any grounds
1: to stand on right now i'm going to school yeah, for and how much time have you spent on Animal Crossing in the last week?
0: Hey, now <laughs> I'm gonna get those, Black Cosmos. I don't care. I would love a pizza plant.
1: Oh, that sounds great, doesn't it? Just like year round, pizza.
0: You couldn't like harvest 17 pizzas in a month. You'd, no, you, I would need them all year.
1: All year. I need year, I need houseplant pizza plants. Oh, god, how great! That would be great. Except my cat would eat it. You hear that, Al? We're Ooh, on to you, Cheese thief. Should we go into some of the animation stuff? This was a really actually kind of fascinating one for animation. Yeah. The makers consulted with live action director of photography, Roger Deakins, to learn how he would light and shoot a scene if this were a live action movie. And he came in and he was only supposed to give like a single talk about how he would do these things, but he ended up sticking around for like, two weeks
0: talking to them about stuff was he the guy who talked about like the backgrounds and the non-animated because i read a little little bit about that 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 they yeah they i think it might be the same guy when they consulted people about like because it's such a desolate background that they wanted to speak to people who like specialize in landscape and like weather related backgrounds Well, and I think it really
1: pays off. I think this is a really dynamic visual scene for every second of that, especially like that opening is so impressive. Um, They also invited special effects artist Dennis Murin to advise on lighting and atmosphere. And he spent like several months. So Murin spent several months working at Pixar. So he was probably the guy they were talking about, like the background stuff. Deerkins was more of a lighting person. So one of the things that they really tried to do is they wanted to make it look like it was actually filmed. Yeah. So they stimulated a lot of various lens artifacts, like focus pulling. So when he's in the supermarket scene and he's crushed by shopping carts, the image goes out of focus for a second. (laughs)
0: Yeah, it does. And so, like, that's one of the things.
1: And the lens zooms in on Wally at the doors, and there's lens flares and focus shifts between foreground and background, which makes it give gives it really that very realistic feel. Yeah. It feels like someone's actually behind the camera making this stuff happen. Um, mm-hmm. One of the other things that they did to achieve the look is they brought in some vintage Panaso- Panavision cameras from the 1970s. Hmm. I think I read that they had built a model of Wally to film with these cameras. Okay. To get an idea of what it would actually look like with lighting, what the lighting would actually do to these things. So I think one thing you have to really give Pixar credit for is going the extra mile. Definitely. To get the right look and the right feel of what they're doing. And I think it really paid off in this because it's very clearly an animated movie, especially when you see the humans and they're very cartoony. Yeah. But shit, that opening scene with Wally just makes in his cubes and collecting shit, if you saw nothing else, if that's all you saw, it would feel very realistic. Yeah, definitely. There's nothing to really pull you out of that, especially with the interspersing of the live-action CEO. The act-
0: the actual um, clips from Hello, Dolly as well. And the Hello, Michael Dolly Crawford clips. And- yeah,
1: it's a really interesting dichotomy there of that live-action and animated thing. And I don't know that there's a lot of movies that really pull that. That do it that well, no. No, was, I mean...
0: It was seamless.
1: Yeah, it was seamless. Like, you didn't question the newspaper with a person that's an actual person on it. You didn't question yeah the yeah. ads of people in the axiom you didn't it, it it didn't seem weird it seemed okay and fine and maybe part of that was just because all we had as a character at that point was this little goofy robot who looked like johnny five uh, yeah I'm, i was about to say that you have a known here it says wally looks
0: like a baby johnny five and I, I really appreciate like that you're absolutely right is that the, from weird
1: science short circuit it was called short circuit okay and that's the one where Ali Sheedy falls in love with a robot. Is it any weirder than Howard the Duck? No. No. Nothing's weirder than Howard the, the Duck. The 80s were a terrible time where Look, women would fuck anything. I will link you to the scene of Ali Sheedy, like, dancing with Johnny Five. It's pretty great. So I again, this comes back to the Pixar going to extreme lengths to create their films. Wally's eyes were inspired by a pair of binoculars that were given to Stanton when he was watching an Oakland Athletics versus the Boston Red Sox baseball game. Seemingly, he missed the entire first inning because he was so fascinated by these binoculars. What does that mean? I think they were just really bitchin' binoculars. So was he looking at them or through them? At them. I think he was looking at them because if he was looking through them he probably would have been paying attention to the baseball game. This guy sounds like a nerd. He does. I kind of like it. He sounds like my kind of nerd. I'm not going to. Remember lie. he's Christian. Uh, okay, so there's that part. But there's this entire chunk of the Wikipedia about how they designed Wally. So there was the part about his eyes, um they added zoom lenses to the eyes to make him more sympathetic. Mm-hmm. So I think it was just something to give the animation department something to play with a little bit. Some more depth, yeah. So the the trash compactor of his body was inspired during the animator's visits to recycling stations. His tank treads were inspired by a wheelchair someone had developed that used treads instead of wheels. Smart. Yeah, they wanted him to have elbows, but it was unrealistic because he was only designed to pull garbage in. So they designed it so his arms could move on his body. Smart. Like, the amount of thought that went into it is kind of baffling.
0: Every time I hear this, I'm like, we would not be good at this.
1: No, we would be terrible at this. This is why we only do a podcast about it. The team studied Chernobyl and Sofia, Bulgaria, which apparently had issues with storing their garbage to create the ruined world.
0: I do. I don't know anything about Sofia, Bulgaria, but Chernobyl, I mean, it is, it's just abandoned. abandoned. They abandoned yeah. ship. It's still fucking freaky as hell to look at pictures. It they is. Have like a, it's an amusement just... park there that's just being overrun by weeds. Right. Radioactive weeds. And radioactive animals. And they do, there are several panning shots of the garbage towers that he, and I, m- I mean, the the Walleys before him created that are, like, surpassing the skyscrapers because right. I'm sure that there is a, um, there's some indication as to where this is supposed to be taking place because it zooms in and out of, like, the, the globe so much. Right. But it's somewhere in, like, probably the East Coast of America right. or the West Coast. One of the coasts. coasts, And clearly it's supposed to be like a major thriving metropolis, which makes it pretty coincidental that the Axiom happened to dock. Because the Axiom is one of many, many, many ships. Is it? Yes. Okay. I mentioned that because there's there's a scene where during the talk after they get the plants when the captain fires it up, yeah. Fred Willard is saying like, You will you will enter this code and the axiom will return to you, blah blah blah. Oh, like it's it's dubbed interesting. in. So it's one of many different Starliners.
1: Okay. I missed that. Well, I guess I don't think it's that weird that the axiom would come back to that because they probably had like geotagging from where Eve found the plant. And Wally's home is. Oh, that makes. So you're ruining my whole point now. I'm sorry. Wally's home is supposed to be like on one of the, on one of the free, like an off ramp. No, it's not. Like even, it's not actually that. It's actually one of the like loading platforms to the mm. station for the Axiom or for the spaceships. Oh, okay. All right. So it makes sense that the Axiom would come back there, especially with that's where Eve found the plants. Like, okay, that they makes wouldn't want to take them somewhere that the plants weren't growing.
0: <laughs> like You get like a cacao plant and you go to Oklahoma.
1: <laughs> we found one plant. We're going to drop you off on the other side of the world from it, though. Good luck. Good luck. Wear a mask. Eve was co-designed by Apple's Senior Vice President of Industrial Design. What a title. Yeah. Jonathan Ive. Um, he was the man res- responsible for the design of Apple devices, and she 100% looks like an iPod as a robot. She
0: does. Does that mean that he was responsible? Like, what does that mean? That's that's a lot
1: to encompass. So, two thousand
0: eight, he was
1: probably in charge of making the old iPod style. Remember those? And like the, the first iPhone. Yeah. So, like two thousand eight. Hold on, I have. My remember, iPod. like the iPod classics. Do you still have one of those? Ugh, oh, I wish I knew where mine was.
0: It doesn't have the clicker, but this is the one. It was white and it broke, and Charles replaced it for me. So now I have the.
1: I'm hoping to someday come across so, mine. It feels so tiny in my hands now. Does it feel really heavy though? It's pretty dense. Like those were. I remember those being really dense. So I mean, believe look, look at that shit. Like, no, right?
0: And I hated putting music on my phone, but now, now no, everything it's it's all is I do, digital. Right? It's all on Spotify. It's all on Spotify. But I not mean, not Amazon Music, you idiots. No. <laughs>
1: Eve, 100%, though, it looks like an Apple device. So,
0: yeah. Yeah.
1: Production designer Ralph Eggleston based the design for the Axiom on the futuristic architecture of Santiago Calatrava. And I looked up some of his stuff, and it looks pretty legit future style. Okay. Like, I get where they were coming from. Like, he looks like he should be designing in, like, 2250 and not okay. now. Stanton wanted the interior of the Axiom to resemble Shanghai and Dubai. They also studied original concept art for Tomorrowland for the sense of optimism that at had, had. Have you ever watched, like, YouTube videos of shit in Dubai? No. Dubai is 100% in the future from where we are. Like, is they really? are wild. They have super sleek, they have, like... PRT which is the personal rapid transport so like you call a car and you get in that little automated car you don't drive it and it takes you where you want to go is it on a track? kind of, it's a trackless track so it's not like on like a so like it follows like a path but it's not like it's on a track that it follows necessarily it's pretty wild Hmm. Dubai is 100% more futuristic than we will ever be auto, the super cleverly named autopilot (laughs) Was an homage to HAL 9000 from 2001 A Space Odyssey. Sure Obviously, was. with the red glowing eye and whatnot. Yeah. As well as the, what I'm about to poorly pronounce, also Sprak Zarathustra when the captain is fighting Otto for control, which is, of course, the music that is played in 2001 of Space Odyssey when the, what is it, the pillar is... Down, down, the fucking, what is it called? Monolith monolith thank you god we're idiots so there's a lot of 2001 a space odyssey yes coming in here which is funny but also i'm not sure again
0: i remember falling asleep i did not like it i think that i want
1: to watch it again
0: kubrick is in my opinion i love dr Strangelo but his other shit like i've I never seen didn't, that one. it's really good it's I, very I, funny I,
1: I, yeah i'll have to do that one
0: it's just he tries i feel like he's trying to be cerebral too hard lolita is lolita is really good i haven't read the book i couldn't <sighs> bring myself to read it um i read World is tuesday world is um fucking amazing in it She's amazing.
1: So I read Lolita when I was much younger. And I don't know that I could read it now and get through it because it's so fucking creepy. Yeah. And I think that when I was like 20, it was not so bad. Right. Because I was 20 and I was stupid. And now I'm like, "Mm, (laughs) no, what is wrong (laughs) with you people? But I mean, that's what
0: he was going. He wasn't, he was going for that. He was trying to like. Yeah, but you know what? I don't
1: need books about that. No, I know. I understand. So, most of the robot casts were designed using a build program that interchanged heads and arms and treads. So, that's kind of funny. Okay. Heads and treads.
0: Heads to heads treads. treads. Heads to treads.
1: So, following a test screening,
0: Andrew Staton felt that most of the audience didn't believe that humans could adapt to life on Earth after being on that crazy cruise ship for so long. And that they would die after the film ended. No, that's legit. I also would think that. They're not farmers. He keeps saying pizza grows on trees. Right. So Peach plants. Clearly, he thinks he has pizza grows <laughs> on a plant. He has a pretty loose understanding of how plant biology works. So he brought in a man named John Capobianco, who was the writer and director of the short film Your Friend the Rat. It was a short Pixar movie in the Two universe, I I didn't watch it, but I don't think I did either. But it was Remy and his brother, whose name I don't remember, talking about like, i don't know just had to be friends i didn't again don't watch it but he brought this guy in who was the writer and director of that to help create the end credits which were supposed to create a more optimistic feel to the yeah. end of the movie to be like look they
1: lived they don't They're, they're good.
0: which is pretty cute and that was that was set uh under the peter gabriel song yes that was written for the movie those end credits
1: are cute as hell.
0: Super cute, and also different art styles. No,
1: I, that's one of those I made, too, is I have zero recollection of these end credits, but I really love the, like, progression through time periods of art. Yeah. Like, we have some of, like, that Egyptian hieroglyph style, and they move into things, and you hit, yes. the, like, the Impressionists, and you hit other things, and it's really cool. Yeah. I thought that was really fun. And yeah, it's over, and I, we could kind of transition here into songs. Overplayed on that is the another great Peter Gabriel song to throw it back to Peter Gabriel from our yes. Jungle to Jungle. He did Down to Earth. This one was actually composed for the movie specifically, and it's fucking great. Yep. He's does it with like a full orchestra and it's just fun. It's really good. Fun as hell. So we're going to some other song stuff. Yes. So I am um a huge
0: musical theater nerd i have a lot of cool interests you're super awesome thank you and musical theater is one of my big ones so i always loved that the opening was the juxtaposition of put on your sunny clothes from hello dolly yeah and the planet being a total shit hole it's really, it's a really fun playoff. of. It's really fun. It's because it's such an upbeat song. Yeah. And it, one of the singers is Michael Crawford, who was the original Phantom of the Opera, much later. But Stanton originally wanted to use 1930s French swing music in the opening. That's some interesting. It's they aren't words that you often pair together. But he, while he was developing this movie, he saw the Triples of Belleville which I like that was the whole thing is. Oh really? Oh, no. it's about it's a French animated movie. It won a bunch of Oscars about a grandmother whose grandson enters the Tour de France and he gets kidnapped en route by the French mafia oh my God. and it's set against like 1930s French swing music. Oh weird. It's very weird but it's very fun. You'll we'll have to find that. I haven't seen it in years, but this did make me listen to the soundtrack again and it's it's fucking fun. <laughs> it's <a> very upbeat. <laughs> but I'm glad that he decided to not jump on the bandwagon because it would have been a very bad look.
1: Yes. No, I think it's, it's a really fun. That Hello Dolly song is really fun. And I think it really sets the character of Wally like right off yeah. the bat. We have this little industrious robot doing his thing. But frankly, he appears to be having a blast. Yes. Like He's, he's having finding a joy good where he time. can. Exactly. Um, I do love the use of these older songs being played. So we have the Put On Your Sunday Clothes from Hello Dolly, and they also use La Vie on Rose, sung by Louis mm-hmm. Armstrong later, which ugh, mm-hmm. everything yeah. sung by Louis Armstrong is just in gold sure. in my book. And they had originally planned to use Bing Crosby's Stardust for the scene where Wally and Eve are flying around in space. But Newman, who did the music, had asked to score it himself. And honestly, I don't remember what the music was, so I don't know if that was a great call.
0: It's a beautiful piece of music that they use. Okay. So he composed that. He felt like he
1: could compose something original for that. I kind of sure. love that play of these really old 50s and 60s songs yeah. against what is literally 800 years in the future.
0: Right. I yeah, it's a
1: really fun play on this movie.
0: I like the implication that a VHS copy of Hello, Dolly! has survived 700 years.
1: Seriously, mine haven't lasted for my childhood. Yeah, no, they're dead now. They're, they're not fucking good anymore. dead anymore. They die no. after like 35 years. I added a section for this podcast specifically because there were so many notes on it. So, sound. I love notes about sound (laughs) holy noises that get made I love it. I think it's so fascinating how these people Mm -hmm. do this stuff. So Ben Burtt was not only the voice of Wally but he was also the sound designer for this movie Uh, and forgive me if I go off on a sound rant because I love it. It's so great. He recorded 2,500 sounds for this movie. Jesus. Which is a lot it's literally twice the average number of sounds for a Star Wars film (laughs) And like, Star Wars sucks. Star War- you know what? We can't be friends anymore. I said right. it. You can't fight me. You're in St. Paul. Podcast over. <laughs> Uh, he tried to go for scientifically accurate sounds when he could, but failing that, he went for dramatic and unrealistic sounds, which is I kind mean, of fun. Yeah, why like, not? Just yeah, go course. for it. He used a hand cranked electrical generator for Wally moving around, a car self starter for when he moves quickly. He mm-hmm. used a demolition derby for the trash compactor sounds. Okay. He used a 10 foot long radio controlled plane for when Eve is flying. Fully people are my favorite. A slinky that was stretched out and he hit with a timpani stick. What is that? Uh, It's something that you use to play instruments. I think it's the one that has like the soft end on it. Oh, okay. So he used that for her plasma cannon sounds. Mm -hmm. Uh, He used a recording of his 1987 visit to Niagara Falls for the wind. Wow. (laughs) Wow. He ran around a hallway with a canvas bag to make the sandstorm sounds. He crashed carts around in a supermarket lot and literally threw one down a hill for some of the scenes. Jesus, this guy is married to this project. People who do sound are wild. They're crazy. They will go to weird extreme lengths to get the right noise. I love the story of how um
0: Hitchcock found the perfect stabbing sound for Psycho. He knew it would be a melon, so he just like stabbed a bunch of different yeah. melons till he finally hit the casaba and that was the perfect one. The perfect sound. It's
1: what I want to know is why did he know that was the perfect sound? Because he murdered a bunch of people in the shower. Clearly the other thing that I read that Ben Burt worked in sync with the animators, which was kind of unusual for a sound person, because usually, like, Foley artists add sound after. Yeah. So everything gets recorded, and they add sounds to make it sound right. Mm-hmm. And usually, like, I know that I talked about this. I can't remember what movie this was that we talked about it, that I talked about. There's this is a, like, little mini documentary about Foley artists and yeah what they do to make things sound right is just mm-hmm. bananas but so he yeah he was working in sync with the animators for this and they were doing a lot of taking the sounds that he made and working that into the animation rather than the other way which is kind of unusual
0: pretty amazing okay so again i'm not a space i'm not a space person how far away is the axiom Because it seems like when Eve is reloaded and Wally's hanging on to whatever spaceship that is, it doesn't take long for them to get there. And then once they decide to come back... It doesn't take long for them to, like... It's like they're around the corner.
1: So, at least from the end of the movie when the axiom is going back to Earth, there's definitely some, like, warp travel sort of thing. Yeah, it's like hyperspeed. It's for sure faster than, light travel. So they could be fucking anywhere. And I think that after 700 years, they're probably pretty far away.
0: So, I looked it up because I am also a thirsty bitch for knowledge And this kind of ship is called a Starliner. Again, I'm not a space person, so I didn't know this was a well-known... This is apparently a very well-known thing in sci-fi, sci-fi and according to the wikipedia entry they they travel at sub light speed well i so guess it's so not that fast
1: i think but wait, that could be like a thousand years sub. i don't know because light speed is pretty fast light speed is pretty fast i think that when it comes to sci-fi things and ship travel that's one of the things that just kind of gets hand waved but i
0: want to know the facts
1: i don't I'm think you're going to get it from science pixar you should well, email it's all them hypothetical
0: announced. anyway we have never it is been all hypothetical anyway fashion elon musk
1: is. get on it elon no i mean it, it definitely looked like it was like fashion light travel but also maybe maybe they just weren't that far away maybe they were just kind of circling the galaxy and got back pretty quick they were taxing
0: for seven thirty years <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, it's like supposed be to be five be years so maybe they just weren't going that far <laughs>
0: Oh, it's like the the worst possible incarnation of Gilligan's (laughs) Highlands.
1: It's only supposed to be a five-year tour. (laughs) How does Eve fly? Some kind of drop propulsion. But she hovers, so... And there are no obvious rockets or, like, exhaust ports on her. I think all that's supposed to be rounded up
0: to just like, oh, it's technology we don't have yet. That's
1: true. That's why it's in the Disney physics section.
0: Right. (laughs) The Disney section. The Disney.
1: One of my Disney physics moments was when Wally is in space using the fire extinguisher to fly around. Yes. A fire extinguisher only sprays for about 25 seconds at most.
0: Would it also, would that work in space? Because it would work in space.
1: It would project him forward. What would not happen in space is him slowing down. Because there's no friction in space. There's no he air. There's nothing. Going. He would just keep going. What the continued use of the fire extinguisher would do would be accelerating his speed. If but he wouldn't no slow down. If there's no friction in space, why would he move at all? Because he's still getting propelled from okay. the ex- exhaust of that fire extinguisher. What, But he okay. wouldn't, like, what it's shown is that he shoots it off and he goes and then he slows down. Yeah, he juts it out. That would not happen. Okay. Because there's no air in space. Therefore, there's no friction in space.
0: Mm. I don't know anything about physics. I've never taken a physical class in my life.
1: So when they're trying to get control of the spaceship and Otto is like fucking with the gravity and all of the people fall out of their chairs and go Mm -hmm. sliding on things, someone definitely would have died in that pile up of bodies.
0: Maybe, but also because they have such like low bone density and high fat content, they're pretty they're they're pretty well cushioned. They would actually be pretty protected. Maybe they
1: wouldn't die in that.
0: They would also survive extreme cold very well. Probably. They're kind of like seals. People become kind of like seals. (laughs) (laughs) It's not the worst way we could go. No. That that scene really made me wonder like a number of how many people were on that ship. Yeah. 'Cause it's a shitload of people, but also you have to have enough people where like you can reproduce safely with no like risk of inbreeding. Right. You can feed everybody. Again, pulling at threads. Pulling at threads. We did a lot. Should we hit our favorite topic? <sighs> Social commentary and problematic issues. Yeah. So the biggest I would say probably the defining plot point of this is it is a machine that gains sentience. So how do we feel about that trope of machines that gain like a sense of consciousness? I for one, welcome our future robot overlords. Well, I, that's, that's fine. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of it because I, the thing is for me, like, I think that it's a little odd that he would attain a a level of self-awareness, but still be comfortable harvesting parts off of his fallen comrades, as I mentioned before, like basically they're like dead bodies
1: that he'd harvest things off of. But they're not dead bodies that's not the same like i think that's where it comes down to it like okay we're gonna start talking about the singularity so shit's gonna get intense here i don't think that we can attribute human ideas of dead bodies to a robot but we are attributing other things to him like sure the idea but of falling in love okay yeah and i still think that's sort of ridiculous yes but i think that he is looking at it as this is something that can still be used like looking at it very pragmatically pragmatically like if all of the other robots got shut down and somehow this one unit got missed he's still doing his thing okay i think that and i'm this is me spitballing sentience in robots so <laughs> who knows but i think that they would look at it as there is no longer a sentient being in this machine okay there's nothing there Do you think he viewed them as
0: other sentient beings or did he realize that he was different and they were just machines?
1: I think it wasn't nearly that complicated. I think he went This is a deep dive. This I think it was a matter of this is no longer a thing that is conscious or living or moving or doing anything. It's just parts at this point. There's nothing inside of this robot anymore. But this thing, this part, these parts have things that I can use to continue surviving.
0: So, if he has this kind of consciousness, is he depressed that he's the only one left because he clearly feels loneliness?
1: Yes. Maybe. Okay, so here's a question. Is yes. scavenging for parts on these other Wally units any different than taking things from family members that have died?
0: I think that the difference is that it comes from their body what is the body of a sentient ai i mean is
1: it that's the chip the question that we've they been asking on? since
0: since jesus died isn't it i don't know i mean so that's, I mean, where that's it comes a down great to. question maybe but that's the thing it's it's so he is definitely a sentient being yes does he acknowledge that these that
1: these other robots are not and that he's different from them Or does he acknowledge them as also having been sentient beings, but that sentience is not tied to the parts of their bodies? So are you saying that if your mom died, you would take her hand if you needed it? No, but I will take her garage full of shit. How is that different from his working parts that are interchangeable? A garage isn't a working part. It is. It's just not attached to our body. But what is the body of a sentient? Is it the chip where their consciousness is? Where is the consciousness of a robot? If they can switch out parts of their body and still be themselves. I think we're fighting about souls right now. I think we might be. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. I'm going on the theory that he acknowledges them as other sentients, but because they are no longer in that machinery, those parts are not them.
0: Well, he also has... Um, I mean, theoretically, elevated intelligence where he isn't quite so bound by emotional
1: things. Where like... Best thing is, I don't know that this is an emotional thing. I don't think taking the treads off of a robot that's no longer, for better lack of a word, alive, and that it, it's something that is... If their tread wears out and they buy a new one, how is that different from taking one off of a robot that no longer exists?
0: Right. I think that that's the difference. I'm viewing it as like a, a dead body.
1: And I don't know that you're not. I would see it as that. Okay. I think for me, it's a separate entity. It's, it's parts of their life, but not necessarily integral to who they are as a sentient being.
0: Okay. Good talk.
1: Good talk. I'm so glad that we deep dived into sentience.
0: <laughs> I hate Elon Musk. I want everyone to know that I do not like Elon Musk. This spaceship, this luxurious Starliner, star it's called, line. is this the future that Elon Musk is dreaming of? What does this guy want? It's trashing the planet. So we don't have to worry about cleaning it up and then leaving it and just go live a pointless life on a on floating chairs in the sky with your 11 children and your Tesla. Got the handles that pop out. So it's really cool. I'm worth $90 million. <laughs> it's a weird one also the very inherent very strong anti-capitalist message in this movie is pretty fucking rich coming from disney
1: well from disney and from
0: fucking steve jobs from right from pixar that at that point was i think still owned by apple
1: yeah i mean i think they were in partnership with disney but yeah like steve jobs was still very involved at this point
0: a noted terrible human being yeah who only ate apples that fell from the tree and carrots that rotted out of the earth and then died?
1: Oh, um, our favorite problematic issue, fat shaming. Hmm. Um, I feel like they were so close to not fat shaming and really explaining it away with science mm-hmm. until we get to the captain who has his coat just buttoned around his neck. Yeah. Like we did. Why did everyone else is wearing clothes that fit them? Why couldn't we have a captain's coat that fits him? <sighs>
0: Uh, yeah, that's true. I also feel like the captain was designed to look to be more of a figurehead, and they were really trying to make it look like this guy doesn't know what's going on. Sure. Tree.
1: I mean, it, again, that's the other trope that we hate the bumbling, fat, childlike person. And yet they keep showing up. And don't they? They keep fucking showing up. Yeah. That's At least true. this one like turns around and pulls shit off on his own.
0: There is like great moment when he walks.
1: Yeah it's
0: a it's a good moment it's a good
1: one he gets up and he attacks auto
0: he didn't know that button was there right that manual auto button i mean i suppose if you don't again we we don't know how they get to the position of captain no,
1: we don't know my other note in the social commentary problem it just says space debris so there's the whole like coding yeah. of space which is a legitimate Pretty realistic issue it's incredibly realistic There is so much debris in space. So there's so much debris in space. And every time we go to space, we still just fucking leave shit in space. Yeah. Like, we just leave shit out there. There is a ton of satellites floating around the orbit. They are. To be fair, the way that they're depicted in this movie is very unrealistic because unless they're actually moving in orbit, they would crash into the planet.
0: Oh, okay. Well, that's good to know. So, I
1: mean, they would burn up (laughs) in the atmosphere and crash into the planet. Like, that's what would happen. If they're not in an actual stable orbit, if they aren't moving, what will happen is the gravity of Earth will eventually pull them into the atmosphere. And they will either burn up in the atmosphere or burn up mostly and then crash into the Earth. So that's not super realistic. Again, I like space. Um, I had a really not- another good Roger Ebert quote because we do love pulling those out for every movie that we do. Yes. Yep. We'll only have so many of these that we can do because he died in twenty thirteen. <laughs> but we'll try oh. our best. This is a good social commentary note, I think. He said it can this movie can easily cross language barriers, partially because there's so very little dialogue. So mm-hmm. it can easily cross language barriers, which is all the better considering that it tells a planetary story. Love which I think it. is That's a really so good point. Like, it's is That's so like, true. Destroying the earth is not a country issue, it is a planet issue it is something that is a global thing we can't just be like oh well that country is doing poorly or <laughs> yeah. our country is doing poorly so making Probably it... us in China are doing the worst right now yeah we're certainly not doing well that's for sure so anyway yeah uh, recycle
0: save the earth look if you can't throw your beer can into the recycling bag from your desk like I did four times poorly just stand up and throw it
1: in and well, and like it's so easy to recycle these days
0: it is so easy and if you have you don't even have like... to
1: sort shit anymore
0: You'd, you don't, if but if you have things like batteries or plastic bags, there are so many places. Target takes them, Ikea takes them. Did you know Ziploc bags are bag. recyclable? Are they? Oh, are they the soft plastic?
1: Yeah, they're recyclable. That were makes sense.
0: Yeah, totally.
1: I found that out a couple of years ago. I was like, that's awesome. So now that's I respect all awesome. my Ziplocs. Who is the villain of this movie? Capitalism. How vague and nebulous for a Disney movie. <laughs>
0: Am I wrong? No, you're I'm not, not going to say Shelby No, Forthright no, it's
1: Is the villain? No, because I don't think that he was. I think he was a figurehead of his company. And I can't... I mean, we can't say that Otto was a villain because he was literally just doing what he was programmed to do. Right.
0: Yeah. I was getting mad at him, but I kept reminding myself like he's just...
1: That wasn't even like all 9000 levels of treachery. It was just, this is the program I was literally sent to do. I'm doing exactly what I was told to do. There was um, a really interesting article that I read that kind of said like, you know, there's the ship computer, the Sigourney Weaver voice... And there's Otto who have conflicting directives, but neither of them is really a bad guy in that. Yeah. And yeah, like capitalism is really the only villain in this movie. So you can't really blame Otto for doing what he was told. You can't blame Otto's little minion guy for doing what he's told. Right. Because they're just doing what they've been programmed to do. Right. It, so was... it was a person who programmed them to do that. Right. So in the end, by and large, is the bad guy of this movie. Yeah. Hmm. Disney, trying to direct the blame away from choice you. of direction for this movie, given that it's Disney. Anyway. Yeah. Anything else? Uh, what would you rate it? I would give this a solid 5 out of 5 refrigerator plants. I'm going to give it 5 out of 5 tiny cleaner robots. It's a great movie. And it is a great movie. It holds up really well, I think. It does. It's getting a little more tragically realistic as we go on. Yep. But it's still great.
0: We can only hope for a robot as compassionate as Wally.
1: Please let us get that at least. In 700 years. Fingers crossed, bro.
0: Thank you for listening to Where the People Aren't and our episode on Wally.
1: If we wildly screwed something up, please feel free to let us know on a variety of social media, including Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at WTPAPod. We also have an email at Gmail with that same name. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe. Just email us. to Let us know your thoughts. Email us to hear if them. you're actually listening to this podcast. WTPAPod at gmail.com. And Black Lives Matter. And Black Lives Matter. And wash your hands. God bless. Love you. Bye.
0: (laughs) Can we stop everyone with love you, bye? (laughs) Yes. Please. (laughs) Going forward, love you, bye. Oh my god. Amazing. (laughs) I'm so mad at everything right now. We have
1: been recording
0: for... It's like three hours. (laughs) Three hours and 13 minutes. I'm gonna eat another bowl of chili. I'm gonna go do my fucking pulled pork so I can eat that. Yeah. I'm definitely not gonna get up at four tomorrow. I'm gonna go grab Will and watch Horrid and eat a thing. Okay. Do it.
1: Love you. Goodbye. Love
0: you. Bye. Bye.